Tear your hearts and not your garments. Let's unpack this scripture. It's been kind of weighing on me for the past few weeks and not entirely sure why, but let's dive into a little bit. I was looking at it this morning and let's journey together. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, glorify your name. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts with your love. Send your wisdom. Send your, your virtues of justice, fortitude, temperance. Come, Lord, and fill our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is from Joel, book of the prophet Joel, chapter 2. And chapter 2 in my Bible, I have an RSV, Ignatius Version. And chapter 2 is titled, The Day of the Lord is Coming. And everything feels that way right now, doesn't it? That the day of the Lord is coming. That something's, something's in the wind. That somehow the wind is changing. And that God is calling us to do something different than what we were doing yesterday. I mean, in general terms, I think that's often how it goes with God. I think that he's constantly calling us and calling us and calling us to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the ocean of his grace, into the ocean of his love. And if we sit still, we're going backwards. You know, there was that image that Padre Pio had, I believe it's Padre Pio, that described the spiritual lives as just sitting in a boat. And with the sails not up, but they're just lowered and we're just sitting there. We're just going backwards, doing nothing. Eventually we'll get back to the, back to the shore eventually ride with the tide and end up back to where we were before, which could very well be nowhere. Maybe it's stranded on an Island or whatever it is, but God calls us to lift up our sails and to allow his wind to just blow us where he wills and allow us ourselves to be led in that way. I think right now of St. Brendan, uh, the Irish saint who legend had it where he would just sit in his fishing boat, lift up his sails and allow the Holy Spirit to move him wherever God willed. And he would go to an area and start proclaiming the gospel that God loves each and every one of us, that he created us, that he loves us, that he has a plan for each and every one of us. But we fail to live up to his plan, don't we? I mean, I'll speak for myself, sure. I'm a sinner. I'm probably the biggest one that I know. And I make mistakes. I fall away from God's plan in my life that I know that I do things that I know I shouldn't do. But Jesus came. Jesus is Emmanuel. God came because he wanted to be with us. Jesus came to set us free from our sins, to pay the price of the, to pay the, the, the repair costs of our sin, to fix the damage done from our sin, to set us free from the chains that our sins give us, and to rise us, rise us into new life. <laughs> kind of like a transport. I don't know if you heard that. <clears throat> kind of like the, air, <laughs> the uh, Enterprise transporters. I should just silence my phone here while we're chatting. But the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. This is that same chapter that talks about, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even upon the men servants and maid servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. 
and it will come to pass. He's going to pour out his spirit on us. My friends, what, what are we doing? Waiting around, doing nothing. Just It's not like, it's kind of like we're sitting here with our masks down, with our, with our sails down. Not just kind of hoping somehow that, that we'll be led in the, in the area that we got to go. But if our, our sails are down, we're, no, we're going nowhere. Back to where we started. You know, if this, this COVID stuff is anything, my gosh, don't leave this COVID stuff. If it ever leaves, don't leave this COVID stuff the same where you, the way you were before it started. Come out of this thing stronger, better, holier. And I think that's that's the call. If I, I mean, me personally, I'm a, I'm a schmuck, I'm a sinner, blah, blah, blah. If I can see anything, I mean, logically speaking, you got a you got a in in a period of of challenge. Anyone who's anybody wants to hope to rise out of the challenge, don't we? An athlete wants to just get better and stronger. Our spiritual lives, we got to be like these athletes who just want to get better and stronger. So we owe it to ourselves, to our friends, to our families, to our world, to the kingdom of God. We come out of this COVID stronger and better and faster. But we can't do that without tearing our hearts and not our garments. Yet even now, this is verse 12 of chapter 2 from Joel. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning, and tear your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Tearing your hearts to tear. I looked that up in my little Greek um, uh, thingy, app, verbum. Verbum's awesome. Look it up. V-E-R-B-U-M, verbum, in the iOS store or anywhere else where good apps are found. Tear or rend. And I I like the, I personally like the translation of rend, R-E-N-D. I like that a lot. It's less, maybe less specific than tear. Tear is a part of the definition of rend. And I kind of like those words that have, you know, multifaceted meanings, not just one that's just simple. And so for this one, rend means it's uh, Hebrew for kara, 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 I don't know. But it means to tear, to rip or cut or tear to pieces, to tear away. That's rend is, is, is what that means. Rend means rip or cut or tear to pieces, tear away. So yeah, absolutely. Tear. Sure. It works fine. I like rend. It has a little bit more descriptive meaning. Rip or cut or tear to pieces. Very, very, very descriptive. Rip or cut or tear. And, and, I, and when I think of that, I, I, I envision all sorts of different responses to a thing. What this is, it is and, I, and I don't, I'm not a historian. All right. I've said many times before, you want a historian, you got to go somewhere else. I was looking at what this means to tear your hearts, not your garments. And on this website called Shabad or Shabad, C-H-A-B-A-D.org, um, it had a, a definition of what Kariah is. And it's just rending of your garments in, in the sense of mourning. And it's very specific. It's very liturgical. It can't just be for anybody. If I And it's specifically revolving around death and a loved one dying. 
maybe there's other definitions for rending your garments, um, but this is the one I found and I think it's really interesting. So Kariya is sort of a, a maybe a, a, a sanctified version of tearing your flesh, literally tearing your flesh, which is forbidden for the Jews. It's a pagan custom. And so for the Jews, tearing your garments instead over your heart, because it was a sign that your heart is in mourning, that your heart is broken, that you're exposing your heart, exposing your, your hurt, your vulnerability, allowing yourself to be vulnerable to people. And as I mentioned, it was only specific people could do this at certain times for certain ways, for certain lengths of time. So it's a very liturgical experience, very liturgical thing. In some ways, it's, it's I mean, it's uh, an emotional response meant to symbolize one. But when things get to be too liturgical, they lose their emotional response and just become robotic. For myself, I'll speak. They just become robotic. And when we the beauty of those things, and I think this is the good thing about this, that when they do become robotic or before they do, we have to do it through intention, intentionally do this for the deeper meaning of the thing, you know, intentionally tear our hearts for the deeper meaning of exposing our, our vulnerability. In, in this reading, though, it's tear your hearts, not just your garments. Don't just keep it at the surface. Don't just tear your garment in the right way at the right time with around the right people, but tear your heart. Don't just stop there at the surface, dive deeper. And the heart in Hebrew meaning, or um, it's labab. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I apologize, but it's the heart. It's used figuratively so many times throughout the Bible, throughout different types of verse. And here it's very widely used for the feelings, the will, and even the intellect. I like that a lot. Tearing our feelings, tearing our will, tearing our intellect, rending these things. And when I, when I picture that, rending my feelings, I, I feel adverse to certain things. I don't want to do that thing because it just isn't quite, it's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not suggesting we all do sins, but it doesn't jive right, you know, or or maybe it's a habit that I've that I've had where um, it just feels good, you know. I'm not talking necessarily about sin, but sometimes we put ourselves in little boxes and we say we can only react to a situation in a particular way. Rip it apart, rend that, <laughs> tear it to pieces, rend your heart, not your garments. Uh, the will, my will, is so focused on myself; it's not even funny. I want, uh, I you know, it's like this this innate desire to survive. It, it's almost it's almost perverted in a way where I just inordinately seek my own ability to survive in any little way that I think I need to, even if that includes gossiping about somebody, even if that includes lusting over somebody, uh, even if it includes pride and taking in my own actions as if you know I don't know. I did it myself. I did it my way and only my way is the only way to go. And you ought to do it my way too, because I'm the best. I'm the greatest, blah, blah, blah. Um, our will, conforming our will to the will of God's. This whole practice of self-abnegation. I mean, that, that practice isn't limited to Christianity. It's something that's out there in, in the world of paganism. Um, you know, uh, in, uh, 
Hindi cultures, the various Hindu cultures, uh, these these types of pagan cultures that uh, just, and even just our own general Western society, we have this concept of 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 uh, karma. Where we do something for the sake of the other, for the in favor of the interests of others. It's not just that, but diving deeper into that thing and self abnegation, the ab- denying myself of a pleasure so that I can get closer and closer to the heart of Jesus. So that I could be purged of the things, the vinegar in my hearts. So I could be purged of the vinegar in my heart through my acts of self-abnegation. In order that there's more room for God in my heart. Remember, we're not called for comfort. We're made for greatness. And the only way that we can attain this greatness, the greatness of God himself, is if we stretch our hearts, if we rend our hearts and empty empty and be purged of the vinegar in our lives. And the last thing is the intellect, just being okay to, to let go of what we think that we know and let go of a sense of certainty, let go of the want to be certain of a thing, let go of that want. If, if somebody else is in a position of authority, I mean, I've, I've got authority issues. I'm not mincing words here in myself. Um, just letting go of that. So my, so the, so the boss or so the leader or so that person who's in charge of this organization sees it being done that one way that I don't agree with, that I don't like because my own intellect and my training, my university, my blah, 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 my blah, 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 tells me otherwise, let it go. Let it go. Rend your intellect. Let it go. Let it go. I mean, imagine if St. Brendan sitting in his boat was sitting there and the wind was starting to take him in a certain direction and he looked ahead of him. I'm sure this happened to him. Looked ahead and sees nothing but the vast empty ocean. His intellect would be crying out, stop, stop, turn back, turn back. But Brendan knew that he had to rend his intellect to, to let go of himself, to let go of his intellect and allow himself to be purged of the vinegar within his own intellect, within his own will, within his own, within his own feelings, his own gut reactions to things, to be purged of the vinegar that's there. You know, yes, there's, yes, there's, you you don't, you don't want to bring yourself into a position of, of danger, whether it's, you know, abuse or whatever it would be, you, you, you know, there's clear things that our intellects, our feelings and our wills have learned to protect us from. Sometimes these, these learned behaviors are inordinate. Sometimes it's that thing I mentioned, gossip, slander, so that I can survive in this little world that I'm in. I got to slander that other person, or I've got to gossip about him. I've got to come out on top. So these other people will value me, value my input, my insight, because I know I have secret knowledge of that other person. Therefore, value me. That's the survival instinct. So I don't think survival instinct is all bad. I think God gives it to us for a reason. We have our reasons. Pardon me. We have our reason for a reason. And uh, But there's also part of it because we're fallen. Because we've fallen from the original uh, state of grace that we were created to be within. We've fallen from that graceful nature. And our intellect, our emotions, and our wills are clouded and foggy. But to be willing to let these things go.
be willing to let it go. And I think within the context of this chapter, be willing to let it go because the day of the Lord is coming. I mean, Jesus could come back right now. I mean, this podcast, I I guess everything on the digital is, is, uh, is never going away. So you could be a thousand years from now. Maybe someone's listening to this thing and maybe Jesus comes back that day, you know, wherever this is, wherever you're hearing this thing, Jesus can come back wherever you're here. We don't know when he's coming. We just know that the day of the Lord is coming and we better get ready. We better have our hearts rendered, rendered, whatever the right way to say that is. Rend your hearts. Don't stop at your garments, but go deeper than that. Go deeper than the liturgical experience that you're so used to. Even if it's a good thing, even if it's a good liturgical experience, go deeper than that. Don't just do the surface, but pour your heart out into that liturgical experience. So that you can allow room for God. So that you could be imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that he would pour out his spirit onto your flesh, into your person. So that you would prophesy, that you would dream dreams, that you would see visions. That he would pour out his spirit upon you that he would use you somehow to advance his kingdom throughout the entire world. Every one of us, that's our call. Every one of us as the lay faithful Catholics, that's our call to advance the kingdom of our father throughout the entire world, throughout the entire universe. Maybe as you're listening to this, you're listening to this on Pluto. You know, I I don't know. (laughs) Wherever you go, we're called to advance the kingdom of our Father. And when I think of that, it reminds me of that story of St. Francis in the Garden. I know I've talked about this before in previous episodes. St. Francis in the Garden. So the story goes, and I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit. Story goes that Francis in his garden tilling the soil, tilling in the garden, making just taking care of it, getting rid of the weeds, like we all should with our hearts. Rend your hearts, don't stop at your garments. Francis was certainly taking care of his garden, metaphorically and literally. Taking care of his garden, getting rid of the weeds, hoeing the soil, making sure they would grow, doing all those things that he needed to do. A young, I don't know, postulant, a young young man came in, young person came in. And said, hey, Father Francis, if you knew that Jesus was coming back today, what would you do differently? And Francis, without skipping a beat, just replied, I would just keep hoeing my garden. And so there is that sense that, that, I mean, Jesus can come back any moment. We just need to make sure that we're on the right side of history in that moment. You know, you also look at the lifestyle of St. Francis, though. He was a man who who lived, who lived the virtue of self-abnegation. If there's any saint that I can think of, I mean, all of them did, but St. Francis is probably the biggest one that did this self-abnegation thing. Remember that story of the of the prostitute that tried to come on to him, who tried to seduce him. And he said, you want to you want to have sex you want to do this okay but the, the what you have to do is you have to do it in my bed and so <laughs> the story goes and maybe i'm getting mixed up with other stories but the story goes 
he took off all his clothes and jumped into a bed of thorns, into a thorn bush. You know, so he, he was a man who practiced abnegation that, that put the, the will of God, not just the will of God doing the right things, but putting, acquiring him over and above everything else and making sure that nothing got in that way. That was Francis who was holding the garden, the guy who denied himself completely, fasted for days and days and weeks so that he can acquire more of the Holy Spirit into his life. That was the man who's hoeing the garden. Not just some friar who goes about his daily business, whatever that may be. His lifestyle was self-abnegation. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Francis certainly did not stop at the surface, at the liturgical experience of his days. He dove deep. And you and I need to too. Jesus can come back tonight. He can go back tomorrow. Where is he going to find you? Where are you going to be in your daily routine? Are you going to be gossiping about that other person? Are you going to be lusting? Pornography. Gossip. Slander. Stealing. Lying. What is he going to find you doing? I mean, look at your life. Look at what you're doing. Look what I'm, I mean, I got to look at what I'm doing. At any moment, our life is so fleeting. Tempest Fujit, memento mori. Time flies, remember death. We got to let these things go. Enough, enough playing with sin, enough playing with fire. Let it go. Don't stop. Do it now. Let it go. If you need to reach out to somebody, reach out to somebody. Don't be afraid. Satan's going to tell you, oh, that person doesn't, he's going to make fun of you. Don't talk to that person. Just, just stay amongst yourself. Just go play those video games. Just go turn on that movie. Just go eat that granola bar. Make yourself a peanut butter sandwich. Do whatever you can, Kevin. But avoid confronting the sin in your life. Avoid purging yourself of the vinegar. It's too bad. It's, it's too gross. Nobody's going to like you if you expose yourself. Don't listen to that guy. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Just crush him in the name of Jesus. Be set free in the name of Jesus. Don't have your life ruled by sin, by the fleeting needs of your flesh. Don't allow your life to be ruled by it. It's too short. It's not worth it. It's too short. This world that we're in, I mean, I'm not talking about the world of COVID, but our world in general, in the West particularly, but everywhere really, it offers us all this comfort all this ease of life, all this, this, everything we could possibly need, every, every, every desire is satisfied. Let it go. You're not, you're not made for that stuff. You're made for the greatness of God. Stop wasting your time with these things. The day the Lord 